Today is Valentine's Day. If any of you guys forgot, it's too late. You're dead. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Cancel that in Jesus' name. So, um, does anybody know the history of Valentine's Day? Does anybody know where it came from? You're going to get a history lesson this morning. Anybody know? Nobody knows? So, you, we celebrate this day. We look forward to it, and we don't know where it comes from. So, there's three legends of where it came from, okay? One legend is there was this guy named Valentine, and he was a priest, and there was this Roman emperor that was really evil, and he wanted all the single men to come fight in the army because they were better fighters because they didn't have a wife and children at home. So he outlawed marriage for young men. And so this guy named Valentine would secretly marry people, thus creating the romantic thing in secret or whatever. And so that's one thing. Um, the second one is uh, that there was a guy that was in prisons, and he was just encouraging people in prisons and praying for people, and pe people were being healed in prisons. The third one has to do with prison as well. It was a guy that was in prison, and he fell in love with the jailer's daughter, and he sent her a letter saying, because his name was Valentine, that this is from your Valentine, and that's where we get the term. Okay, so that's your little history lesson. We really don't know. It's a little murky as to where it comes from, but it's one of those three. Where am I going with this this morning? We get really wrapped up in Valentine's Day, but there's a, there's a side of this I think we ought to know as well. Um, it's actually a pagan holiday. What's new, somebody said. <laughs> so I don't want to burst everybody's bubble up here on Valentine's Day. Um, but you know that little guy, Cupid, that runs around half-nude shooting people with arrows? He's actually a Greek or Roman god. So I'm just talking about it this morning because we live in a world that spends a lot of money and a lot of attention on this word, named, on this word called love. But we do it by saying, you got to buy me something or you got to take me somewhere or you got to write me a letter. Two years ago, I couldn't find numbers for last year. Two years ago on Valentine's, the United States spent $20 billion on Valentine's Day gifts. $20 billion. We could feed a lot of hungry people for that. That's not counting like going out to dinner. That's just gifts. So, Valentine's Day, I'm going to start out with the true definition of what love is because Paul gave us the true definition because we live in a world that says love is a feeling. It's you making me happy. It's you giving me what I need. And I just thought it would be important to start today out with what Paul says about love. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patient. It's not a gift. It's patient. Love is kind. It's not taking me out to dinner. Well, maybe that's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful, not proud, not rude, does not demand its own way. In other words, not selfish, not irritable, keeps no record of being wrong. That's a tough one, right? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Here's the best part. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And he goes on and says, love will last forever. So I just want to encourage you this morning. It's great. We buy each other gifts and write letters, and, and, and Valentine's Day is so sweet and all that. But let's remember what love really means. Because it's the opposite of what our world means it to be a lot. So if you've never heard that before, I want you to know what today should be about. We should be celebrating true love, which is how we treat people, okay? 
So part of what Jesus told us to do is he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment, commandments. One of his commandments was to baptize. So today I'm just changing the script a little bit about what Valentine's Day is about. We're going to show our love to our Lord and Savior, to each other. We're going to worship our Savior this morning. We're going to baptize and honor the commandment he gave us, and then we're going to celebrate eating food together, okay? Sound good? I want you to think about the words of the songs we just sang. See, I didn't tell Peyton anything I was going to talk about today. He just prayed for the Holy Spirit to give him the songs. And that first song said, there's no place I'd rather be than here in your love. And I know that for some of us, the word love is, is kind of an ugly word because we weren't loved correctly. Or people said they loved us when they hurt us. Or people said they loved us and they controlled us. And so I can't emphasize enough this morning that this is that day we celebrate love. Let's replace the definition of what the world has shown you or that harmful person or those harmful people or your parents or whoever it was. We've all got stories somewhere where somebody said, I love you, and then they hurt us. But Jesus never once did that. Never once. There's a scripture that says the greatest, the greatest thing he did for us is he laid down his life for us. He loved us so much he laid down. God loves us so much he gave his only son. Jesus loved us so much that he died for us. That's not control or that's not bad. That's all good. I'm going to give my one son and I'm going to sacrifice him because I love you that much. That's not a bad thing. That's an awesome thing. I love you so much that I'm going to go get the mess beat out of me, whipped, because I love you. I will take on the pain so you don't have to carry the pain. And that's what this communion's all about. We say this often, but I want you just to think. You ever been hit with a whip? Most of us hadn't. If you have, we probably need to talk later about some counseling. <laughs> But you think about a whip that you pop, and it hurts. You've been hit by a towel, popped by a towel, it hurts. Imagine lead on the end of that. And every time that whip hit his back, it tore his flesh. Every time. 39 times. Whew. I was watching a Christmas thing in a church we went to one time, and a guy played Jesus in kind of a recreation of the Passion and they had a whip, and he said, we're going to do it for real. It wasn't lead tip, but it was a whip, and he said, you whip me. Because if Jesus took it, then I want to be whipped. And when they hit him in that play, they whipped him. And he cried out, and it hurt. And he had whelps and tears of his skin without lead and, and through his shirt. But that was powerful because most people didn't know in the audience, they thought he was a really good actor. But he said, if Jesus took that pain on, I want to take it too. And he wanted to show how bad it hurt. And I want you to think about that this morning. Not from a standpoint of feeling guilty that you haven't done enough. I want you to think of it as how much somebody loved you that he took all that on. Not to mention getting a crown pressed. You ever gotten a thorn bush and got one thorn in your finger and you cry like a baby? They took a crown of those and just pressed them into his head. Not to mention being hung 
a nail driven in your wrist and your feet. You're suffocating. He did it all because he loves you that much. So when we take this bread this morning, I want you to take it with some seriousness that the man loves you and he died for you. He let his body be broken for you. So let's remember that as we take this bread. And I think this juice represents true love. He didn't buy you a rose. He didn't give you a gift. He didn't take you out to dinner. He just shed his blood so you could live forever with your daddy in heaven. <laughs> There's no better gift in the world. And so today, as we celebrate love and as we celebrate the commandment to baptize, I just want you to take a minute. In Romans, it says, all you have to do is believe and you will be saved. Believe and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. See, it's religion and some churches and some people have told you all these things you got to do, work your way to God, and all that's not true. Paul gave us a simple command, believe and confess with your mouth. And maybe it's a lifetime of believing and fighting off doubt and, and unbelief. Maybe it's not that one moment because some people go well, I don't know I didn't have that moment yeah I didn't have that moment either I've never not known Jesus but I've had moments when I wasn't following him I wasn't chasing him I didn't I didn't care what he had done so I'm asking you to examine your heart right now do you believe in him are you willing to confess it with your mouth that you believe in him I believe in Jesus I believe every word he said I believe all the words that were said about him by people like Paul and Peter. Let this be a time you examine, do I believe? Do I want to believe? See, he's not going to make you believe. Some of us don't want to believe. He's not going to make you. But this is that moment when you can say, I'm tired of chasing all these other things that don't work. I mean, where's that got you? I'm ready to believe. Let that be today if you haven't believed yet. And Paul told us, don't take this in an unworthy manner. Don't just take this to take it. We need to examine our hearts and see if there's things that we need to repent, that we need to change, people that we need to forgive. So just take a moment. Say, God, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently? Who do I need to forgive? Is it someone? Is it myself? Here's the beauty. There's this little cup of juice that represents a blood that covers every nasty, foul thing you thought, said, done in your entire life and everything you'll do from this point forward. So as you take this juice, remember the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that was shed for you, each of you.
So I have a few verses that um, the Lord led me to on love. You know, you forget how many Bible verses are on love till you look them up. Uh, so I'm just going to read a few verses. Here's what's interesting. Um, I've had a lot of phone calls this week, text, uh, about people going through the fire. <laughs> uh what do I mean by that? Um, we've all been put through some kind of test or fire the past couple of weeks, months. And so uh, why did God allow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go through the fire? Think about that. Why, why did he allow them to do that? There were several reasons why he allowed them to do that. He allowed them to do that so the king and all the people that were serving the other gods could see what a mighty God that God was. Because when they went into the fire, they came out without a hair being singed. So you've been feeling like you've been going through the fire, whether that's with health issues, school, uh, work, um, personal relationships, whatever it is, uh, just spiritual warfare in your mind. God, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? You are being tested and tried and going through a fire for a reason. But it, it's because God loves you. God does not allow those things to happen to you because he's a, a bad God. He's actually testing you and refining you because he loves you. We think of Valentine's Day, like Jason said, as the hearts and the love. But, but that love is a selfish love. That love is a worldly love. The kind of love that God, God gives us is not that way. So this is one of the verses that's like my favorite verse, and I forgot about it until I was looking up love. It's Romans eight thirty seven through 39. Know that in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord that all these things that we're going through and that are, we are going to go through, if you are a child of God, it cannot separate you from Jesus. It's going to feel like you're being separated, but you're only being tried and tested. God's love for us is more than we can understand. And so one of the things the Lord has told me to focus on this year is love. What is love? Who is love? How do you give love the way that Jesus gave love? Here's another verse. Um, John 15, 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. One of the last verses on this page is Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife but love covers a multitude of offenses. If you're struggling with somebody in your life right now, 
that you, it's, you're just having a real hard time loving them. <laughs> it says, love covers a multitude of sins. What does God mean when he says that? Sometimes you've got to die to your flesh and love that person anyway. You have to have a healthy boundary, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you don't still love them and you don't pray for them. So I'm just going to say a prayer, and then Jason's, Jason and whoever else is going to lead the rest of the service today. But, Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you, Father God, for your love that we don't understand. But it is your perfect love that casts out everything, including fear. And so, Lord, today I ask that going into 2021, that, Father God, instead of being stirred up by strife, hatred, anger, rage, malice, all this confusion and chaos and craziness that's going on around the world when we have to walk outside these doors, Lord, that, Father God, you will show us how to walk in love because our gifts won't work if we don't walk in love with our gifts. And so, Lord, help us to die to our flesh today, Lord. And, Father God, we know that when we walk in your love, your perfect love, Father God, it's going to cast out everything else that anybody's dealing with. And we're going to walk out, and we're going to look like a light to this world. That was, that was our job. And so, Father God, today, Lord, help us, Father God, to remember that today, instead of being Valentine's Day, Lord, it is about you and your love. Show us when we leave here today and as we're here, Lord, your true love, Lord, what that really, really looks like, and help us to dig into that. Lord, we're nothing without you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Father God, for your love and dying on the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody need a restroom break? It's gonna be it's gonna be embarrassing today if you gotta go to the bathroom. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna make this quick and we're gonna have a couple of testimonies. Go ahead. <laughs> Does anybody else need to go? This would be a good time if y'all wanna go. Yeah. It's like, come on. It's like, come on, son, act like you gotta go to the restroom. I, I don't know what this means. Oh, we got kids' memory verse. Hallelujah. Come on, Miss Faith. Let all that you do be done in love. First Corinthians sixteen fourteen. Good job. Okay, so there is a downside to doing church in this side of the building, we learned today. Didn't think all that all the way through. So the question this morning, aside from how do we love, is why should we get baptized? And I promise I'm going to make this really quick. I got five quick points. When I sit down with someone to discuss baptism, these are the five verses or five areas I like to go to. There's more, um, but I'm just trying to make it condensed this morning. The number one reason we should be baptized is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, got baptized. Okay? Go ahead and clap. Good job, buddy. 
So in Luke 3, 21 and 22, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, so John the Baptist is baptizing people, and he's baptizing, baptizing people and telling them to turn from their sin, repent from your sins. And it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. I think there's two important things in that scripture. Number one, Jesus led by example. He never did anything or he never asked you to do anything he hasn't done himself. Number two, something special happened when he got baptized. That's when the Holy Spirit came on to him. So in Ephesians, it says if you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But I think there's something special that happens when you get baptized. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to call it a little extra dose. I'm sure there's some biblical scholar out there that's going to argue with how I said that, but we're going to go with that. Number two. So for number one was Jesus led by example. Number two is Jesus told us. He commanded us to baptize. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus is about to leave them, and he says, i got one commandment left to tell you. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. I don't know if you notice a trend, but we try very hard to teach people how to make disciples. Not just stand up on Sunday. We do it throughout the week. We try to get into people's lives and help walk them through their tough points because we are instructed to make disciples. But then we're instructed to baptize. So we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because that's what Jesus said do. Now, something I want to point out. A lot of churches and a lot of religion will teach that only a pastor, only someone on church staff can baptize. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, go make a disciple and baptize them. So we encourage anyone who's getting baptized to be baptized by the people or person that is discipling them. And you will see that this morning. To my knowledge, I'm not baptizing anybody today. It'd be an awesome privilege to, but we are encouraging and we always encourage the person who has discipled you to baptize you. This is my favorite baptism scripture. Number three, we are clothed in Christ. Galatians 3, 26 through 27 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's where I got that earlier about if I believe in Jesus and I have faith, I am a child of God. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. It's cold outside. What happens when you put on a good warm jacket? What happens when you crawl into your bed and it's a little chilly and you wrap up in a big warm blanket? It feels good, right? And that's literally how I picture this. When, when I am baptized, I am literally putting on the clothing of Christ. Number four, we know it's very important to be baptized. In Acts 8, 36 through 38, it says, As they rode along, and this is talking about Philip and a eunuch. So Philip and a eunuch are riding along. Philip is telling the eunuch about Jesus. The eunuch's never heard this before. The eunuch believed in Jesus, and it says, Then they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Most likely, that was somebody's drinking water. But it was important enough that when that eunuch believed in Jesus, he understood the command to be baptized, and he was baptized immediately. So you don't have to wait for the Sunday morning once every three months that we do baptisms. You can be baptized anytime. We just set aside these times for those that haven't come forward. Okay? 
Fifth and final point from Scripture. <laughs> it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In Romans 6, 1 through 11, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I think that's what our world believes. I'm just going to keep on sinning, give God some more time to show us grace. And Paul says, of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in sin? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to give two scriptures that detailed a song we sang this morning. We are no longer, no longer slaves to sin. Hmm. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. When you go into that water and you come out, you are representing the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ and declaring that sin has no power over you hallelujah now is baptism salvation we've talked about this before i just want to be clear when i look at scripture romans 10 9 says if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved I can't gather from that scripture that I have to be baptized to go to heaven, but I can gather from another scripture that's very important that I get baptized, okay? So I don't want to take away from the importance. I've just heard people teach that if you, get if you accept Jesus and you drive to the church and you die on the way to church before you get baptized, you're going to hell. And I don't believe that's true based on these scriptures. So I don't know where people come from. I don't know what they've been told. I'm just going straight from scripture. We can debate that later if you don't like what I'm saying couple of quick questions. Can I be baptized more than once? Scripture does not say how many times to be baptized. It does not say. So when we know someone is being baptized again, we always sit down and have a discussion with them because we want to make sure there's no confusion. We want to make sure that we're not setting up a scenario that we think that every time we sin, we got to go be baptized. That's what repentance is for. You know, I met with a lady one time, and I've asked to give this example many years ago, and I use this one a lot because she said, I want to be baptized again. And I said, well, again, how many times have you been baptized? She said, this will be my ninth time. When I talked to her and asked her her story and asked her to tell me more about her story, what had happened was every time she got on fire for Christ and then fell off, she thought she had to be baptized again to get back close to him. And she used words like, well, I backslide. So we've got all these religious things we throw at it. And there's nothing in Scripture about that. When you fall away and you realize you're in sin, you're called to repent, change, and come back. 
Now, if you want to be baptized again, like I talked it through with her, and she thought, well, I've been baptized eight times for the wrong reason. Let's go for number nine that's right. So I just want to be clear. There's no, there's no scripture that says how many times you can be baptized. Baptize means, baptizo means to be renewed. Um, many of you have heard this testimony of mine, and I'll give it real quick. But when I was baptized as a child, I was sprinkled. I went home, and my good old Southern Baptist grandmother, and I'm not knocking on Southern Baptist or any other denomination, but she told me I was going to hell because I wasn't baptized correctly. Then a couple of years later, I started dating a girl from another denomination, and she asked me if I was saved, and I said, yes. She said, were you baptized? I said, yes. She said, how? I told her I was sprinkled, and she said, so you're going to go to hell. So from 13 to 15, age 15, I was told twice I was going to go to hell because I didn't do something right. That created a lot of pain. No one ever sat down to me and said, let's go through Scripture. Let's talk about what it really says in Scripture. They just told me what they had been brainwashed and thought. And that led to about 20 years of me being very confused if I truly believed in God because I hadn't done something right. So it's very, very, very important to us that when people get baptized, they understand what Scripture says. So if people are getting baptized today, we've already had a meeting to talk through it with them. If you decide to get baptized today, we'll probably follow up with it, or we will follow up with the meeting because we want to make sure that you understand. It's not a religious thing. It's not us trying to control what you think. It's just us trying to help you understand what you're doing. So today, I know of three baptisms. I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord's going to stir in some hearts and there's more, but I know of three, and I know that all three of those are going to be rebaptized. So what I'm going to do now is I'm, I've invited two of them to come up. They gave me their testimonies, and they're extremely powerful. So I'm going to invite Carter, if you'll come on up, buddy. Hey, everybody give him a round of applause. He, he came so prepared, he wore his swimming trunks today when it was 40 degrees. So when I sat down with Carter, and I said, just tell me what God's doing. His, his testimony was so powerful, I thought, this testimony may touch someone in here today. It may speak to someone. So I'm just going to turn it over to Carter and ask him to tell us why. Uh, so before I speak, I'm going to pray, because um, I want this to be about God, not about me. Um, so dear Lord, uh, just give me the strength, the courage, and the peace, and the humbleness, and the humility just to uh, share my story. Um, and just be bold and um, not care about any restrictions or anything that goes against your will, Lord. But just speak through my heart and just speak to the people in this room. I pray that your spirit continues to just dwell this morning. Um, I just thank you for everything you do, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So some of you at this church kind of know, like, I'm a really joyful person. Um, but I used to not have that joy. And the reason I have that joy now is because of God. Um, so a little bit about my story when I was eight, my parents bought me an iPod. I thought iPod was so cool until I started using that iPod for the wrong reasons. And my parents didn't know how iPods worked because a lot of people didn't grow up with technology. Um, so I abused that gift. Um, but I grew up in church. I kept going to church. Uh, I got baptized when I was 10. I gave my life to Christ. And at that time, I truly believed it. Um, but the one misconception I really had was that if I gave my life to Christ, then things were going to get easier. Um, and in fact, they got harder. Um, and that was the reason I really started to hate God more because things didn't go my way. And there's so many years where like 
I just didn't know what was going on. Like, I eventually, when I was 12, I moved to Boston, uh, Massachusetts. And if you don't know anything about Boston, think of it as a crazy college campus, but the entire state, and there's no Christianity, and every other person next to you doesn't believe in anything. They don't know God. They don't know what Christianity is. I tell people up there I want to be a pastor, and their first question is like, well, can you have sex when you're married? And I'm like, yes. Like, they don't get the difference between a priest and a pastor. <laughs> and they just don't understand it. Um, but during that time, I had an older stepbrother, um, and he exposed me some, to some even more bad things on the Internet, and that led to addiction of mine, uh, just of watching things I shouldn't have been watching for six years. Um, and I just went through high school thinking God didn't love me. I thought I was so unclean I couldn't even walk into a church. Like, I was like, I'm so gross. I'll probably stink it up if I walk in. So I just never wanted to go to church. And there's no church there that I could really get a relationship with God. Um, and during this time, like, I'm not going to lie. I joke around. I tell Payne, I tell my girlfriend, like, I was a player. I just <laughs> And Payne laughed at me at the restaurant the first time I told him. Um, but I just told them that, like, I used to just do whatever I want. I'd cheat on whoever I wanted. I'd snap whoever I wanted. I didn't really care. Um, and the way I think about it, I used to, I use this comparison a lot when I explain this, but I used to look as a woman as a tennis ball, and I thought, I'd, like, if I hurt them, they would just bounce right back up. I could throw them away, not care about their feelings. But that wasn't the way God intended for us men to really view the beauty of his creation. Um, so I went through high school and doing that. I was off and on. And to give you an idea of how bad it was, I was at the beach one day, and my friends tried to count on their fingers how many girls I've been with, and they couldn't count. Everybody started laughing. I was like, okay, we got a problem. <laughs> and um, So uh, my senior year of high school, God really just, there was a turning point, and he changed my life. Uh, and the way he did that is there's this uh, friend of mine named Janine. I didn't talk to her for four years of high school, and um, she invited me to this place called Crew, um, and I started going to Bible study, started going to church, and I did an internship with them. Um, but during that time, I still struggled with a bunch of things, and I struggled with the sins and the lustfulness of my life. Um, and really what was the turning point was in February of a year ago, and I remember it like yesterday, but it was a Saturday night, and things were going downhill because there's a girl I dated, and I cheated on her, so she broke up me, and then my other ex, who I was off and on with for four years, came in, and she was just doing terrible and told me how she'd been suicidal for years um, and how she'd rather be in heaven than be on this earth. And then on top of that, my two closest friends in my uh, ministry group called me a fake Christian and said I didn't love Jesus. Um, so that night, I remember just I was sitting on a couch, and I just hit the floor, I just balled up, and I just cried like a little baby. I just let it all out, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And I literally could not push myself off the floor. Like, I could not push. And I work out. I do push-ups, but I couldn't push up on that floor. Um, and then eventually God, I think, just brought me up off that floor. And I went to bed that night, and I just kept struggling off and on. And uh, during quarantine, I went to Tennessee. Um, and the craziest thing is the house I was at was 11 minutes from this church, and I didn't even know it. Um, so I was just, 
kind of in pain, and I finally confessed to my mentor everything I've been going through. I let it all out, and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach you everything that's in Scripture. So I spent like a two-month just sabbatical. I just learned. I learned about the Songs of Solomon. I learned about Ephesians. I learned about Genesis. Um, instead of looking at a woman like an object, I just let it go, and I really looked at them as a woman of God, a person of Christ, a beauty and biblical design that God created for a man and a woman to come together and have these cool roles because I know in our culture we talk a lot about equality and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that but there's certain roles that God intends for men and women to have in order for us to work together for the good of his kingdom and a lot of times we get that misconception about things um so eventually I got through that I didn't really know why I was going through that um and I moved back to Boston I kept struggling a little bit I just kept working and working with my mentor and just telling him the things I wanted to get better at. Um, and I moved across to the United States, so it got even crazier. But I moved and I went to Maryville. Um, and really, I was alone in my dorm. I had no friends. I was only one of the only Christians on campus. And I'm like, God, why the heck did you bring me here? Like, I thought this was like a cute little Christian school. And it's not, sadly, but <laughs> I love people there. Uh, there's great people there, not giving a bad rap, but it just wasn't what I expected. Um, so I'm just like going to my dorm every night. I'm alone. I'm I'm bored. I'm like trying to figure out what to do with my life. I don't even know. And then someone DMs me on Instagram, <laughs> and she's sitting over there. Her name's Delaney. And she gets this text, and she tells me that she has a friend who's sitting right there named Emily, and she's like, I have this really cool spiritual friend of mine, and uh, you need to get some guts and take her on a date. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And the, um, the time before that, I prayed. I'm like, God, I'm just done chasing. Like, just drop it at my feet. Just, and he dropped it. <laughs> so I went for it. And we went on our first date. Um, and then eventually I met all her cool church friends, like Mandy and Ryan and Jason and Peyton um, and Elijah uh, and all these other cool people and just eventually I started going to church more and I just started worshiping like crazy. I just dance and boogie and not even care what anybody was looking at me. I do it in public now. So if you see I'm on the side of the road and I'm just boogieing, then like, you know, it's me. Um, but yeah, so I guess my kind of bottom line is like for parents in this room, your kid has an iPod, like, please put restriction on them. Um, please look and just be there for them. And when they struggle, um, don't tell them they're perfect. Tell them, like, when you mess up, come to me because I love you. Um, and know that they're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and for all the men and boys in this room, um, you should always view the woman in this room as God's creation. You should always view them as the people that remain in his image and that they're not less than us. Because we see in Genesis um, that Eve doesn't come from above Adam or below Adam. She comes at the hip. So she was meant to walk aside the men or the man. And that's what I want the guys in this room to really get. Like you don't, if you're struggling, like be open about it, tell people about it because it's not, you know, it's not weird. It's not, not normal. Um, and vice versa for the woman in this room, don't, you know, there's issues when women take advantage of a men's sexuality, which I've been through. Um, so just love um, your brother and uh, treat him as a son of Christ. 
Um, but yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> you think it was easy for Carter to come up here and tell all that? But there's two things that defeat Satan. What are they? Power of the blood, the blood, and the power of the testimony. So praise Jesus. I think he brought one of Emily's hairs up here with him. Too. So thank you, Carter. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm going to ask Miss Lisa to come up here and share her testimony as well. the hardest one of the hardest things I've had to do but it's powerful for me and it's healing for me and I hope that through this it reaches somebody to know that God is so good and he can take you out of bondage he can help you heal and turn those wounds into beauty marks they're not scars they're beauty marks. And I don't usually wake up in the night having a dream and, and God tells me to write it down. But about three weeks ago, he woke me up, told me I needed to write this down. Twelve years ago, you probably couldn't tell what color my eyes were because of the pain that filled them from years of emotional, verbal abuse lies and betrayal. If I did look at you, more than likely, they would fill with tears because of the brokenness. I really looked up when I walked because then someone would see that pain and it wasn't pretty. It was pain that went to the core of my soul that made me feel like I was nothing and worthless. I didn't know how to climb out of that painful deep, deep dark hole and didn't know if it was even possible. The only way I felt I could escape would leave my boys without a mom. But glory to God for giving me my boys to live for and delivering me and healing me from that very moment in pain. One day God introduced me to Jason and Wendy. They saw that broken woman and knew what was going on without me saying anything. And I know... Everybody in here has been blessed by their gift of discernment. That beautiful gift of discernment they have allowed them to see clearly what I was trying to cover up. Thank you again and again, Father God, for sending your angels. After years of investing in me, counseling me, praying with me, and for me, taking me into deliverance and receiving healing, you are now able to see my face because I am healed and I am walking in freedom. Thank you, Jesus. The wounds I once carried and tried to hide have become my personal beauty marks. 
I have become a woman who can say, I am worthy. I am worthy, and I am able to praise Jesus, and I give him all the glory. I am worthy to receive his blessings. He thinks I am worthy enough to have two wonderful sons to call me mom. He thinks I am worthy enough to have spiritual gifts and to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Me. He chose me. He chose me over and over. I never knew I could feel so loved. But God said, I am worthy of his love. And he's done that for me. I stand here and choose to be baptized again. Because a long and painful journey has come to an end. And a new one has begun. Jesus thinks I am worthy. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. It was hard to get there, but he sent his angels to help me do that. Will you choose to come to him? And this is how good God works, because something that you said, I wrote down three weeks ago. Change your wardrobe. Jesus has some pretty awesome armor waiting for you. He is the mighty healer. He already carried our junk to the cross. He did the hard part. He took the beatings, perse persecution, and he died for us. We don't have to carry the baggage anymore. If you choose to carry it, it's your choice. But you don't have to. I'm telling you that the pity party that comes with that baggage is nothing, and I mean nothing compared to the victory you can have in Jesus. I am worthy. And for those of you that know me, know how hard it is to have gotten to this place in my life, that I can say that with the utmost proud, peaceful, joyful, renewed being that I am. I am repurposed for Jesus. Thank you, Lisa. Now you know why I wanted you to hear those two testimonies. How powerful is that? So we're going to transition to baptism, so I'm just going to give this invitation. If you've never been baptized before and you believe, please make this the day that you're obedient to walk in baptism. We have shorts and t-shirts and towels all ready for you. So no excuses. I'll wait till next time because uh, I don't have the right clothes. Yeah, you might have to, you know, eat lunch without your makeup and your hair, but that done, but that's okay. All right? When I was going to offer that, but I wanted to let her offer it. She'll give you her makeup and hair dryer. I got beard balm if you need that. <laughs> but if you have been baptized, and this is a point in your life where you're like Carter, or you're like Lisa, or you're like me, where you need to kind of get that refreshing, that renewal, that I'm taking a stand today. 
I'm taking a stand today that I'm going to make some changes. This day's for you too. I'm going to challenge you, don't let your embarrassment, your fear, your pride get in the way of what God's calling you to do today, okay? It's going to be between you and God. But today is your day. So we're going to give a few minutes for those that are getting baptized to go ahead and change clothes. If you've got questions, if you just need to talk, if you don't know, if you're at a point where you're like, I don't know, I just don't know. This is an awesome time to come up, and Wendy and I will spend time with you and just discuss through it. All right, uh, Father, just thank you for this day and allowing us to come here and be being able to gather in your name uh, and just giving us this time. Thank you for giving us these wonderful people who are about to get baptized and either coming to you or rededicating their life to you, God. Uh, thank you for using their lives as a guiding light to help us go it's okay if we mess up and just letting your love shine through their testimonies I ask that you let just those words sink in sink in and let us understand just the awesome power of your power that just is working through all of our lives. And please be with us as we go about the rest of our day today. In your name I pray. Amen.
Emily, you come up here and baptize him. This is your man. So you go baptize him.
water is not exactly warm, but it's warmer than the 58 degrees it came into the building in. I just want to give one more invitation. If there's anybody that's struggling right now, this is the time. I'm going to pray, and if God is tugging into your heart, just please don't miss this opportunity. Father, first we give you the glory. We give you the glory for these changed lives, Lord. Father, I thank you for the testimonies that were given. And Father, for these four individuals I've watched, I've personally got to see how much Satan tried to keep them down because of how scared he is. Satan is scared of all four of them. So today, we praise you, Lord, for the stance they yes. took against them. These are warriors. From Daniel to Brooks to Carter to Lisa, they are warriors with their own unique gift sets that are taking a new stance for Jesus today, Father. So we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for being able to witness it and be a part of their lives. Father, I thank you that someone invested in me years ago so that I could turn around and invest. And I'm thankful for the people that are investing in them. And I'm thankful for the people that they're going to disciple. That one day, each of the four of them will be baptizing someone that they've discipled, Lord. So, Father, I thank you for all the servants that made this happen today to get everything ready. I thank you for all the servants that brought food for everyone today, Father. Father, I pray that this was pleasing to you to see us obey your commandment to baptize. Father, we give you glory and we thank you for the food that we're going to eat and we bless you. And we ask you to bless that in Jesus' holy name. Amen.